It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Tuesday, June 28th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is kind of excited the full NHL season is over, Russ. Some people are excited. Some people get mad at the Hockey Hall of Fame as a result. They take out their anger on them. Well, we'll talk about all that and more all on today's show. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with the lovely and talented Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. We are doing a mailbag this week, so get those draft and free agency questions in. On today's show, we are going to talk about the Stanley Cup final. We have a winner in the Colorado Avalanche. What can we, as the Flyers community, learn from them? We're going to do a little bit of follow-up on the Locked On NHL mock draft and some logic around our pick. And we're going to follow up on our predictions from yesterday's show on the Hockey Hall of Fame. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. Hit that subscribe button. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and you can watch us over on YouTube. So subscribe over there as well. All right, before we get into the Stanley Cup final, a little bit of a belated congratulations to former Phantoms and uh, erstwhile Flyers back up to the backup Alex Lyon, who won the Calder Cup in the AHL. Really good guy. You know, I, I covered him in college. I think he was at Yale. Uh, very happy for him. He's worked very hard to to be where he is in his career, honestly. Yeah, and uh, I should mention it was the Chicago Wolves who he's been playing for who won that Calder Cup. And the Wolves have been the top team in the AHL all season long. So it's not really a surprise that they won, but uh, congratulations to Alex and the rest of the Wolves. The next ex-Flyers player to have won a trophy this week is Nick Abe Kuvel and the Colorado Avalanche, of course, uh, raising the Stanley Cup and... uh, I think that I was a little surprised, honestly, because when the Bolts won game five, I thought for sure that meant they would win game six at home. I was definitely wrong, and that's okay. But uh, I think the Avalanche did a really good job defensively in, in game six. They did. They they really cleaned up a lot of their mess. Uh, I give Jared Bednar great credit because he he's really been able to keep Darcy Kemper under wraps. So he didn't have too many bad moments. Uh, look, I I thought Tampa could win that game too, but I I you know I picked the Avalanche in six, but realized they could go to seven just because it's Tampa, and you never know what's going to happen. But mm-hmm. you're right, the um, Colorado was just you know there was there were just too much. It was a war of attrition, and they just they were so deep that even like Ryan Murray was hurt. Imagine if they had him on defense. Like they just they had so many guys that 
it was just about inevitable. Like, that's the way I looked at it. Yeah. And, you know, they did such a good job of keeping Tampa's shot quality down that Tampa were getting shots on goal, like not enough in that game. I think they only had like 23 shots on goal the whole game, which is not a lot for them. And certainly, I think, not enough to win against a team like the Avalanche. But uh, as far as the quality of those shots, they were not very good. And so I think that that was really the difference maker because, you know, when you have uh, maybe a less strong goaltender, if you keep the shot quality down, that helps your goaltender. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I went back and looked at it. I wrote an article um, on Sportsology about why your team didn't draft Kale McCarr is the title of it. And I've been to a lot of stuff for (laughs) Kale McCarr. I was at the um, Frozen Four that he lost. I was at the World Juniors that he won. I covered the Hobie Baker ceremony that he won. Uh, I was at the Stanley Cup. Like, I, you know, Kale McCarr is like intertwined in my career now. I, I think that's, you know, obviously one of the big difference makers for the Avalanche and um, forgetting off the top of my head who said it, but it was like either Nathan McKinnon or Gabriel Landeskog. I think one of them said, just like, was asked what it takes to win and he, they said uh, get yourself a kale McCarr. so which is easier said than done i i should say yeah mckinnon really impressed me i you know i was in front of him a few times during the series and going through wins and losses the adversity he was you know wise beyond his years i, I felt and i think really got it compared to last year when you know he had that wow, I'm really annoyed attitude. Like, I just can't believe that this happened. And, you know, and, yeah. he, piggy- and he piggybacked that with um, not necessarily the greatest point total uh, Stanley Cup of his life, but just overall, he he really was a, one of the emotional leaders. He was blocking shots at the end. He did have some important points too, don't get me wrong. But um, yeah, Colorado's a cut above. They just are. Nathan McKinnon, of course, having the game-tying goal in that game. Uh, Arturi Lekkanen, of course, with the game-winning goal in Game 6 to clinch that Stanley Cup. But, man, it just felt like, for the I would say the last five or six minutes of that game, that Tampa did not have as much desperation as I would have thought. Either that or the abs were doing that good a job at keeping them at bay. I think they were doing that good a job. I really felt like while the abs started to have some injuries, the injuries did pile up for Tampa, but I'm not going to use that as an excuse for them because I still think they were outclassed, you know, talent wise. I think ultimately it was like you said, it was just kind of like a battle of attrition. Yeah. And ultimately Colorado uh, came out on top and got to see, uh, the celebration and all of that, but without Gary Bettman. Yeah, that was a little shocker. Uh, I I was surprised at that, and then we all heard what happened. Bill Daly did a good job, though, and there was no booze. I know. Well, until they mentioned Bettman's name, and then they got booze. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But uh, Bill Daly must be like, what, I'm not good enough for booze? Yeah, yeah. He has to get a resume going. Like, He doesn't have the same long-standing resume that Gary has with the the family. It's very true. So I think like taking a step back, uh, I know, you know, we talk sometimes on this show about the copycat league and how that affects, you know, what other teams do. But there is a way to learn something from Stanley Cup winners without kind of going overboard to to imitate them. So like what can the Flyers learn from this? Okay. So 
the first thing they could learn is developing players, developing them from the lower levels through the NHL. Because, again, Jared Bednar is your perfect example, going from the ECHL to the AHL to the NHL to winning it all. Um, the Flyers' AHL is not good. Uh, even today on Twitter, I was chatting about that about that with um, Patrick Williams, who I consider the best source in the AHL, and he's like, there's a lot of work to do. Like, there's a tweet out there. You'll see it. And we all feel that way. So there's that. Mm -hmm. That needs a big revamping. And so far, you know, we haven't seen any evidence. Beyond that, then you're talking about, um, you know, drafting, just overall drafting. And, you know, sometimes you can only take, you know, guys in, in the area that you're picked. That's fine. So if you want to say, you know, 17 was a better draft because it had McCarr. Okay, but again, I'll tell you, McCarr wasn't as widely known now as he is then as far as to be great. Everybody had a feeling he could be really good. But again, Colorado was the only one that wanted to spend a top four pick on him and and were rewarded. Uh, Nathan McKinnon's Nathan McKinnon. Like, you, you wouldn't have missed on that one. Right. But a lot of the other guys, they traded for Sam Girard. They, you know, Albay Cabell was handed to them. The Flyers handed him Albay Cabell. And we knew that that was an issue. Yep. Like, we knew that that was like a conflict between him and AV, and you just lost a good player. And the only reason I was so strong about that is because I covered him in the Mem Cup, too, in the Memorial Cup. And so I saw what he was, even at the junior level, I knew he had more to give. He just wasn't playing well with this coach. So the depth issue, lots of depth on Colorado. And you've got to make trades uh, to get some of that depth especially when you're not getting it all from the miners yeah i think that's one thing that abs especially did well was to trade to make trades that filled in their gaps yes. really effectively that they did the bulk of their core building through drafting and developing but got the bulk of their depth through effective trades and like and NAK picking up on waivers, obviously, like like we just said. But yeah, the Cosby trade. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that was massive. Mm -hmm. uh, remember, Sackick was getting ripped for how long he was taking the trade to Shane, and he laughed at the end. He's well, yeah. I was gonna say he's laughing now. So, uh, I you know that's a real accomplishment for Sackick as well. I I think that. You know, there is a lot to be learned there without kind of going overboard and trying to match player skill for player skill. Right. That it's just a systemic structural thing with the combination of how you put your roster together, plus having the AHL preparedness to have similar structure and player development there that can support what you're doing at the NHL. And remember, Bednar got thrown in there under horrible circumstances with Patrick Waugh just up and quitting, and all mm -hmm. of a sudden he's thrown in there, and then everybody was questioning whether he's even an NHL coach, and, you know, now he, you know you can see he is. But even that, that looked like the most dire of circumstances for the Avs, and now they're at, you know, they're at the top of the mountain. Well, like I just said, drafting is a huge part of building a successful team that wins a Stanley Cup. We're going to talk about our mock draft for this year coming up next. But first, we're going to hear about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league review and news, including Major League Baseball and all the info leading up to 
next year's NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, tennis, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Talking once again about the Locked On NHL mock draft. We're inching closer and closer to actual draft day. Getting excited about that. And uh, once again, uh, this is sort of our, our main first chance to talk about our pick in that mock draft, which was defenseman David Yurichek. And uh, I think you know, most of the reason that we picked him uh, was because Seattle picked Nemich right above us. And, you know, between the defensemen, maybe we would have gone with Nemich. But uh, given that he wasn't available at number five, Yerichek seemed like the most logical pick. And, you know, Russ, I think like I still feel pretty confident about this pick that we made, you know, in actuality several weeks ago. But it just came out on our show last Friday where we had the full uh, lottery team mock draft uh, put out there in our feed. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it so you can hear what all the different hosts had to say. But uh, how are you feeling uh, a few weeks after we made that initial decision? I mean, I feel like if this is how it went down, this is how the Flyers would pick. we now hear more rumblings that maybe the you know Coyotes are going to take Nemich and Cooley's going to drop another slot, and then it would be up to the Seattle whether they're going to take Cooley, Nemich, or uh, let's say Savoy. But just as <clears throat> as it landed right now, I still would take Matt Savoy. Like I don't care about the size. I, yeah. I I feel like he is still the most talented of all these players, and there's some really good ones. Uh, you know, I love Frank Nazar, Cutter Gauthier. Jonathan Lekaramaki, love them all. I still would take Savoy over all of them because I just think, and even even if he is a 60 to 65 point guy in the NHL, I still think there's a chance he could play center. Uh, I'm not going to listen to other people right now that say he can't because we don't know. Conversely, where I don't, you know, because Cutter Gauthier's done so little at center, I think he's got to prove it. I mean, I know he's due to play center in college next year, but we don't know how that's going to go yet. We know how it's going to go with Savoy playing some center because he's played quite a bit, even if he played the wing in the playoffs. But I just think his leadership is scoring, uh, knowing where to be on the ice, how smart he is, all those things. I just think it makes him a very easy pick if you're not worried about the size factor. And again, and I think he's got enough weight on him where it's like I'm not worried about him being a waif or something like that. And I think that it's absolutely something he can learn to compensate for. Yeah. I think players learn, they know their bodies so well that they just adjust to the environment around them, or at least the top guys do, right? They learn to make that adjustment. And I think Matt Savoy is one of those guys. And I think we're both kind of in a similar boat here where we think that if we, the Flyers were given the circumstances that we were given, they're going to take David Yurichek. In that situation, but we would take Matt Savoy. Right. And and I agree with you just about, you know, the offensive potential that he has, the flexibility that he could have with playing center or wing. 
And I, I think that if you can develop him into a center, I mean, my God, like that would be such a help for the Flyers moving forward. It would. And and part of this projection is we I think the league is going to crack down more and more on being overly physical. And mm. and I think if it does like board it, hits or, or yeah, or gonna head be hits and I think head hits, open ice hits could potentially go away completely. Open ice hits, and I think as more of that starts to happen, Savoy is going to become a bigger factor, and so that's where you have to sort of guess at that too. But I would guess on that. So I think that the only scenario that we haven't really talked about is if neither Yurichek or Savoy are available at five, which doesn't seem likely, but it's very possible that it could happen. It would depend on who of the other guys dropped, whether if it was Nemec, I think the Flyers would take Nemec Mm -hmm. in that situation. If it's Logan Cooley, I think that's a no brainer. For them as well. So I think that's the direction that they would go in. But I personally would also consider Frank Nazar because I just think the potential that he has for growth is a lot more. It's a little bit riskier of a pick, but I feel like that his ceiling could be much higher than maybe some people are saying. No, he's got a very high ceiling and his creativity is great. And I've seen it in the open ice where Mm -hmm. he can make a lot of things happen. You just kind of wonder, is he always going to be able to cash in on them? Because sometimes he doesn't. And so that's going to depend on his teammates and his line mates. And that's something where, you know, you're you're taking a little bit more of a gamble on that. That's all. But the reward could be great. Yeah, I think that it's just something important to consider in in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, I, you know, Logan Cooley to me is one of those guys. He kind of reads. I'm not saying player style. I'm just saying um, how he it turns out. But he reads very James Van Riemsdyk to me. That he's somebody that you take. You know, he's going to get taken high and is going to be a really good player. But just like max out at a certain point or like maybe start dipping a little bit sooner that I just I don't know why I feel like it if this makes any sense but I feel like he's just very similar to James Van Riemsdyk in terms of how his career might go I think you're thinking that way because maybe people think he's a safe pick but he's more than a safe pick in the sense that like his battle is way better than Van Riemsdyk's was at any time. Yeah, that's I'm I'm trying not to compare the yeah, yeah, yeah. styles here, you know. I get what you're saying as far as like a safeness factor. Uh right. but yeah, if, if if he dropped to the Flyers, it would be the no-brainer of no-brainers. But again, I said that about Cole Caulfield and, you know, they passed on by. So, you know, you just never know. Like you don't. And so if we had to also just look at this list and say, well then who would the surprise guy be? It could be Korchinski. Because all of a sudden, if you know, if every team is trying to find the best offensive defenseman in the draft, uh, at that point, it would be Korchinski. And he's terrific offensively, and he works really hard. He works hard off the ice. Uh, he's got good speed. He's got terrific offensive instincts. Yeah. It's a little early to take him because his defense isn't well-rounded, but could they go that way because they want to be a, a copycat situation? Yeah, they could. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I worried about, that the Flyers kind of go a little bit deeper into the draft without trading down. That I think if you don't get anything for going a little bit lower with somebody who 
is projected between say like eight and 13, but don't trade down. Like what is the point there? Well, I'll tell you what the sell job would, would be. He's tremendous on the power play and our power play stinks. And so like we'll get Krachinski in a few years when he's here, we'll have a great power play. Okay. That's the sell job. All right. I think that is a good place to leave that one. I'm really starting to get nervous about this one. I think <laughs> just what the top four teams are going to do is a little less certain to me than maybe it was. Arizona is the wild card now. I thought it was the devils at first. With right. Now it seems exactly. to be Arizona. Yeah. Like, are they going to take Slavkovsky, either the devils or the Yotes? Maybe neither of them will. And that would be, I think, a surprise to me. Yeah, that would be a surprise. All right. We will definitely be keeping up with the gossip on the draft over the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the day. Uh, up next, we are going to eat a little crow about the Hockey Hall of Fame and uh, looking forward to that coming up next. All right, Russ. So... I think we did an okay job with the Hockey Hall of Fame predictions from yesterday's show, but I wouldn't say I would give us gold stars. That's for sure. No, we did as good a job as they did. I mean, we got the Sedins and Alfredson <laughs> right. I, I don't think they did a good job either. So, <laughs> right. You know. Ex exactly. So uh, I think as predicted, the Sedins were selected first ballot for the Hockey Hall of Fame absolutely deserved i think there's a lot of people rooting for chaos and only one of them to get in <laughs> at a time which honestly i would be amused by that as well i think it would be fun i mean henrik's uh, better right we all yeah, we, we, we all know that. that but daniel made henrik great too that's the argument mm -hmm. and there's a lot to be said for that yeah, yeah. daniel alfredson i think while if you look at it you know, much like with the draft, when we're trying to put ourselves in the heads of the Flyers and what would they do in this scenario, putting ourselves in the heads of the Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, who are, you know, a little bit old school, to say the least, and don't like think in new ways about what makes hockey players great. Ponderous. Uh, yes, yes. And very, you know, formal and, and everything. And so we you know, I thought that Daniel Alfredson would get in this year, especially in comparison to Zetterberg, who we were kind of putting up against each other as options. And but a lot of people, I think other than those in Ottawa, were, were thinking that the fact that uh, Alexander McGilney was left yeah. out, that Alfredson should have been the one to go yeah. in order to make room for him, which... Uh, you know, I can't argue with that to some degree. No, I can't argue with it either. Uh, both worthy, but this is what happens when you get into a situation like this because someone hasn't been put in for so many years. And as in McGillney, then it causes a problem for a guy that just, you know, can be put in now that's, I think he was only passed over. No, he was new, right? Alfredson was new. Mm -hmm. um, but I also got a chuckle that, you know, the Red Wings sent out a congrats because I'm sure that annoyed some people in Ottawa too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah no and alfredson was not it wasn't his first oh, it was a couple around. okay so, so that's what i was struggling with i couldn't remember so yeah i mean it's funny Al alfredson is loved in ottawa and i think there's a lot of people that like him there's a lot of people that don't like him from other teams because let's face it he was pretty good at the cheap shots with and especially carving up with the stick he was good at that 
Yeah, and I think there are a lot of people that think he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talked ye- on yesterday's show, it's not the Hockey Hall of Very Good. It's right. the Hockey Hall of Fame. And so you have to be the best of the best. And there's some people that think he just isn't that, that he's a great player, but he just isn't that. Is it a coincidence that even though these players are of Swedish descent, that they played for Canadian hockey teams? I don't know. We'll see if that's a theme as we go through this. <laughs> Well, we had more of a Canucks connection mm. and a goalie go in, which we both thought was not a likely scenario in Roberto Luongo first ballot, which blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. Again, like Roberto Luongo, very phenomenal career, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you can't say he didn't have a fantastic career, the problem is, is that there are other goalies that are probably more deserving who have been around waiting for a little longer. I would say Curtis Joseph would be number one on my list. You might have somebody else on your list, Russ. Yeah, I, I have Richter in but, the sense that his mm-hmm. his career was shortened. Cujo, I get it. Like he, Cujo was terrific yeah. too, um, but Richter was shortened. His career was shortened for a skull fracture and another year where they had that stupid, um, not breakaway, but like whatever they were calling it, man. Um, taking a million shots on the goalie. Uh, You know, he blew out his knee at the all-star game that time and they killed that competition. It was a brand new one. So he had those, those injuries happen and it shortened his career, especially the skull fracture. But the the thing is, I just asked this basic question on Twitter and no one answered Luongo. If it's a game seven, do you want Roberto Luongo in that? Or do you want Mike Richter? Probably Mike Richter. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and and Luongo's—he's yeah. just more record, solid. He is. Luongo's playoff record isn't fantastic. Richter was better in the playoffs. He has a better GSAA, which is what a goalie's worth to the team. I get it. Luongo wins in all the compiling categories. He also got a lot more shootout wins than Richter had a chance to get. Uh, so there's there's that factor. But I, I mean, again, he also has two gold medals with Team Canada, and I'll just shut up there. Well, I will say that I would have put McGillney in instead of Roberto Luongo, not Daniel Alfredson. Yes. I think that's the way I would have gone. Um, there was also, I think, some controversy on the women's side of things where Rika Salonen, who's the only uh, women's player to go in this year, and she's phenomenal, like mm-hmm. 100% deserves to be in the yeah, hockey. She played since she's 44. Yeah, and she's the first European woman inducted. All of the other women so far have been Canadian or American. She played 16 years with the Finnish national team. Although I can't uh, tell you how she feels because she wasn't on the call at, for the time I was on there. Maybe uh, they got her later, but they didn't have her at the beginning yeah. to to say, you know, hey, this is a great accomplishment. I felt bad. Tons of international hockey medals. Again, a legend and leader with uh, Team Finland for the women's side of things, it just made absolutely no sense that once again, the Hockey Hall of Fame only selected one woman. You're only allowed one. It's It's a dumb rule that they're only allowed two, but they never use the second one, except for the first year in 2010. Every other time they've even put women in the class, there's only been one, even though... They are allowed up to two slots, which again, dumb rule. It makes no sense. If you have three that are worthy, you put the three in. Like, what's the difference? You do. And so I really feel like Caroline Uyat to not get in on first ballot is an insult at best. At best. But of course, there are are some other 
uh, worthy candidates as well. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty mad about that one. I think the Rod Brindamore people can sit down for a while, but Caroline Ouyet. 100% 100% deserved it. Yeah, I think Brendan Moore will get in. I do. I think he's just going to have to wait. Um, I think there's some people on the board that don't like Brendan Moore because Brendan Moore has a certain type of personality that can be abrasive. And unfortunately, we've seen that that can get keep you out of the Hall of Fame. The other thing with Herb Carnegie as a builder is why did it take so long? They've been talking oh. about Herb Carnegie for 15, 20 years. Uh, I know Willie O'Ree had been talking about him forever. Uh he had probably big his biggest supporter. I'd heard Carnegie's name ever since I got into this business that he should have gotten in. And he's been, you at know, at least Willie O'Ree got in when he was still alive. alive I mean, yeah. you yeah. know, like it's more of an insult to me with Herb Carnegie because, you know, he's no longer with us. And that's his family was very happy um, and his grandson. And, and so that at least you, you get a little smile out of that and you know what he meant to the community and to, and you know, and like his family said, millions of kids were emulating him and trying to get into hockey at the time. Uh, so it's not a total foul up. It's just one of those where you kind of wished it would have happened earlier, but at least it happened. Yeah. Like I said, nobody's ever satisfied with the hockey hall of fame. They get a few right every year. The rest we all fetch about like, that's really the way it is. It's true. Well, it's always fun to talk about. And uh, so we'll do it again next year. Wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing, uh, going back to NAK and the Stanley Cup uh, made himself a legend by denting the cup uh, a mere 10 minutes into the Colorado Avalanche. Having the cup kind of dropped it on his way down into the team photo. Uh, the keeper of the cup had a, a fun little story to, to tell about that and, and the repair plans. So that is linked in your show notes. But uh, of course, NAK dropped the cup. <laughs> yeah, Phil handles it well. Uh, he's a great guy. I've had, I've had many chats with him. Yeah. And he said the base gets fixed every year. So I'm not worried about it. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow with our mailbag. So once again, get those questions in via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. You can drop a comment in our YouTube channel. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.